Thanks for joining us for another episode of What the Faith. Today we had a really important discussion with Mandisha Thomas, who is both the founder and president of Black Mountain Believers Incorporated, which is headquartered in Atlanta, Georgia area. Mandisha founded Black Nonbelievers in 2011 as a nonprofit secular fellowship. Its goals include eliminating stigma, increasing visibility, and providing support and networking opportunities around nonbelief in the African American community. Through her work with Black Nonbelievers, Mandisha has had a number of major media appearances, including Playboy, CBS Sunday Morning, and CNN, and today she has been kind enough to join us on What the Faith. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Yeah, sure. So actually, I am a New York City native, born and raised, and um, I am 43 years old. And so I was born at a time when um, Black pride and identification with um, being uh, Black was, you know, was a a very much a positive. And with that, um, I was raised with a very, uh, I was raised with a very Afrocentric point of view, um, and which included my parents uh, raising me and my brothers not particularly religious. Uh, my my father grew up in church; uh, he hated it, and mother, my maternal grandparents uh, actually weren't necessarily religious. Um, you know, we celebrated holidays, but it wasn't with a religious lens. Um, however, being in any Black community, you cannot escape uh, the abundance of churches as well as the overwhelming presence of religion. And so I, um, I sang in different churches growing up as a soloist. Uh, so I, I still kind of have sort of an outsider's view of religion. I, I whenever I would sit in um, the services after, before, after my um, my my appearance, I would kind of compare and contrast some of the things that I had learned outside of the church about different religions, different forms of mythology and gods and such. And I, you know, I would compare there were a lot of the things that just didn't make sense to me, particularly the Trinity concept within Christianity. Um, And so I would just, um, you know, would really, uh, my, my ability to question those beliefs actually started kind of early on in, in my life. And so because there was a focus on education, in, in our household, and so my mom had me and my brothers in the library, took us to different cultural programs, and so the church was not a go-to for us, but like I said, um, you know, you, you cannot escape the religious influences within the community. Um, being from New York, that was extremely helpful, even though religion is just as prevalent there in the Black community as it is anywhere else. So when I moved to the South in my early 20s, um, I was actually surprised to see the, that the church and the number of people who asked what church you go to was uh, extremely overwhelming. Um, and I know that it's not called the Bible Belt for no reason, because this is what happens here. And there is so much religious influence um, within just, you know, with, within the society here that it does spill over into 
government. It, you know, it, it spills over into everything, and um, it's the presence there here is more overwhelming and pervasive than than other places. And so that was a bit of a challenge to navigate, especially as my family grew. But uh, getting back to my childhood upbringing, it was definitely more of a peripheral uh, experience with religion and learning early on about how um, Christianity in particular was forced on um, you know, the, the African captives during the enslavement in this country. And so um, that was also another, um, that was also another key um, point is to what really turned me off from Christianity in particular. Yeah, looking back at history, clearly it has a profound effect. So how would you really describe the relationship between Black culture and Christianity? Well, the relationship is that um, there is no separation <laughs> within the Black community. It is now, I contend, and many other non-believers and atheists contend that religion in the church has just been this um, domineering presence and an overwhelmingly overwhelming influence on everyone in society. Um, but when you take into account the um, you know, the, the infusion of religion and particular um, Christianity in particular in establishing what, um, what is considered uh, race in this country and, um, you know, racial politics, racial identities, and how it was used to subjugate um, the African slaves and the descendants, and um, and also with the church being an overwhelming presence uh, and being that influence and support system for uh, you know for the black community once slavery and Reconstruction ended, there is such an emotional tie to the church in the black community, given the historical presence and influence that it's almost like, well, there is this idea that you cannot be black and not be religious, especially if you're a woman. Um, it is, and, and the numbers of the, the research numbers uh, do, you know, do support this um, because according to, you know, according to uh, Pew Research numbers, although the number of secular identified or non-religious identified folks are increasing overall, there are still extremely high numbers within the black community or those who identify as black. And considering um, you know, that we still make up about 12% of the population, those are high numbers. And that is, again, that is qualified you know, historically, institutionally, but within the black community itself, there is still no separation of being black and being religious. So it's like if you are giving up religion and not even just because there has always been critique of religion within the black community. There has always been questions about the church, how effective it is and how um, and how impactful it is to us now. But to actually say you don't believe in God, to actually identify as an atheist is still considered something you just don't do or that you're not supposed to do because somehow we're supposed to have this 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 spirit the spirituality, you know, within us. It's supposed to be ingrained in our DNA if, if you're if you're black. And to give that up is to reject your identity as being a part of the black community. You know, I've actually had people convey this to me that um, 
that I had one woman tell me that she couldn't believe that I had the nerve to identify as an atheist as a black woman, as if it was something that we weren't supposed to do. <laughs> and the, the you know the reason for that is still because of the you know the the still high overwhelmingly high numbers of religiously identified folks, but also it's just um, because this conversation can be so contentious. And that it is almost, you know, it is still very difficult to openly identify as an atheist within the Black community because of that emotional tie that the community has. And also this idea that, well, Black folks just don't do that. You know, you, you, how, how are you, how are you an atheist and, and you're Black? It is just, um, there are a number of, of factors that, that come into play here. Yeah, I think it's fascinating because I think a lot of people, um, you know, and you, you would definitely know, I mean, you brought up a little bit about like the, the history of how Christianity is permeated into the black community. When you look at slavery, I mean, from the Christian perspective, you know, Christian teachers changed the gospel story to fit the slavery agenda. Absolutely. Teaching, teaching black people that see this is in line with biblical teaching. And then after, after slavery ended, then shifting the Christian narrative to then fit the liberation, you know, and then you kind of mentioned that the emotional tie. And I think that's something that overall people don't know people within the Christian community know. And I would probably even say, I'm sure there's a lot of black Christians who might not even totally understand how connected the biblical teachings were changed for slavery. Yes. And that actually is a question. I remember thinking that growing up, I remember asking myself, why are so many of us Christians considering the dynamic and considering how, you know, the institutional factors, you have to understand that this type of, this type of uh, psychosis does kind of, you know, it filters down into generations. And, um, and people must remember that it was illegal to teach slaves to read and write. You know, the only book that was allowed to be interpreted was the Bible. And yes, there was, um, there were passages that were picked to, inf- to reinforce and justify slavery. And it, it is very interesting that there are many people, many Christians who will cite the New Testament as Jesus being love and being the salvation. But there were a number of passages from the New Testament that reinforced and justified enslavement. And this is something that when when you have a culture of people just following without questioning and not reading further into the text that they've been taught to believe in, this is what happens. There's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of misinterpretation. And, um, and, and, you know, this unfortunately feeds into kind of what we're seeing now, um, what we what we see in in society you know people just kind of taking things based on what other people tell them not necessarily doing the research for themselves and actually being scared to because it can be scary to you know to find out that what you believed or what you've been what you've been taught to believe is a lie you know being an atheist in the bible belt is brings on its own challenges um mm-hmm. you know like what <laughs> maybe just like painting a better picture for listeners of like the tension, you know, I mean, like to be an atheist in the Bible belt, I mean, that it's, it's pretty extreme for people who are, you know, Christians, mm-hmm. um, maybe just like kind of painting a better picture of that for listeners. Yes. Yeah, so I 
am in the Atlanta area, in the metro Atlanta area, which is a bit more progressive than the rest of the state, the state of Georgia. However, even where, even in this city where it's it's a it's a you know huge population, there's a lot of you know progressive measures here to um, you know to see almost especially any black politician. You know, you're going to see someone touting their beliefs very openly, you know, saying that, stating that they're a person of God almost anywhere you go. And it's almost, it's assumed that people feel the same way. You know, of course you hear, you know, a lot of, you know, God, you know, God bless you all the time. Have a blessed day. Um, You know, people assuming that, you know, you believe the same as they do. A lot of people incorporate, as a matter of fact, they put their faith and their beliefs, even at the forefront of their business practices. It's a huge network here, especially in the Atlanta area and even areas, especially in your smaller cities of the South too. And so to, to see that almost every day um, can be extremely overwhelming. And, but this is why you have a lot of atheist activists, especially in the South, because there are constant violations of state church separation statutes, um, especially on, on, on government premises, whether it's state, local, or even federal government. Uh, so there's a lot of that that takes place here. And so, um, so you, you, see, you see a lot of it, and it's just like, oh gosh, sometimes you just want it to go away, but then you also you know, it's also important that people, you know, speak up. And sometimes there is, you know, there is a a nervousness and apprehension about speaking up because you realize that it's so overwhelming that, you know, you you almost expect it. (laughs) You expect that people are just going to throw it at you at any chance that, any chance they get. Um, But um, again, like I said before, this is a reason why there is a number of activism surrounding um, as a church state separation violations um, because of the overwhelming influence that religion has, especially here in the South. Um, So yes, to kind of go about everyday life here and just, you know, having people assume that you're just as religious as they are, seeing a number of religious events and, and programming, and you're just like, oh gosh, you're almost, you're almost like, it's almost like uh, stepping on pins and needles because you just never know at, w- at any given time if the conversation is going to shift <laughs> towards, you know, you could be having a good conversation and all of a sudden someone's going to invoke their God into it. And it's like, oh gosh, will it ever end? <laughs> you know, but, and, and of course, you're also concerned about looking like the bad guy if you step in and say, okay, enough is enough. You know, how do we navigate that? You know, how do we navigate being open also about our non-belief? When do we say something? When do we leave it alone? So it, it's constantly, you're, you're almost constantly on the defense because you just never know how something is going to turn out what was like your aha moment, you know? So like, I mean, obviously we'll get into, you know, why you founded black non-believers and all those kinds of things, but what, what was there like a moment specifically where you realize like, man, the conversation needs to shift. There needs to be a community for people like me that are going through these same things and trying to navigate these difficult conversations with people that you just firmly just don't agree with. Yes. So at the end of uh, 2010, going on 10 years ago now, um, I had started to openly express my dissent 
with religion, Christianity in particular. And uh, through having connected with other folks who have done, who had done the same thing, I actually had a conversation with a former teacher slash mentor of mine who was very, uh, very big on critical thinking and education and racism and injustice within the Black community, but she had a problem with me saying that I didn't believe. <laughs> and I was out of fear and the fact that this was something that had been incorporated into her life for all these years. She's, you know, very big believer, but just could not understand why I wasn't holding on to belief in God the same way she did. And when I explained to her that it is precisely because you taught me to question um, any like oppressive systems, which I contend that the church has been one, especially for the black community. Um, it is precisely because of that. And then also because people were coming to me and saying, well, I don't believe in this either. And I've had the same thoughts, but they weren't able to say publicly. And so it was, it was a builder. I think it was that particular moment that actually fueled my, my, um, you know, it, it actually fueled my determination to get more involved and to actually come to terms with my identity as an atheist and start saying it openly and publicly for those who felt like they couldn't do the same or who needed support in doing the same. Because once you leave religion behind, that's one thing. You know, some people come to it through a number of avenues. You know, they may have read different books, including the Bible, including their religious texts. But when it comes to finding support and finding like-minded individuals, especially from communities of color, that much. So um, it was that moment where I said, you know, okay, this is what I need to do. And at that point, I was already connecting with other Black atheists and other atheists in general. But I said it became important for me to firmly identify as an atheist and also to start finding others. And um, once I started attending events in person and I realized that there was a diversity issue within, within the atheist community, it's what needs to be done. And once you publicly came out as an atheist, what kind of discrimination did you start to face from the religious communities around you? Well, I did get some backlash from family members and, and, and some people that I knew, you know, they started um, asking me, well, why don't I believe? And, you know, what, so what, what happened? What was that, you know, what made me turn away from God as if I was angry? And I had to explain that it wasn't out of anger that I, that I did this, you know, yes, there were, I am angry about something that a lot of things that religion has done to people. And we can point to a number of atrocities that have been, you know, that, that have, um, that have taken place in the name of people believing in, in some God. Um, there were some family members who, um, kind of sort of distant them, distance themselves, um, but, uh, because most of my family kind of knew how outspoken I was, you know, ever since I was a child, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't unexpected, <laughs> but I think for the most part, 
I actually gained a lot more support. I gained a lot more atheist friends. I started connecting with more people. And I actually found that there were a few more family members who felt the same way, whether they were questioning religion, whether they identify as agnostic or even outright atheist. Um, it was more of a positive than anything else. But I did have a few, uh, you know, there were a few people, you know, at my job who kind of slighted, you know, they, they, they were kind of slighting me. But the, the type of job I had, they couldn't discriminate, outright discriminate against me simply because I was an atheist. Um, so that, you know, of course, that, that's illegal um, in, in most workplaces. Um, there are a lot of people who are either, who either are unaware of that or they're kind of hesitant because of the social pressure, which is very real. Luckily, I was never someone who really cared about that. <laughs> so that kind of, you know, I, I was okay with, I, I, I had some, a few battles to fight when it came to people openly and outwardly expressing their religious beliefs in places where they had no business doing it. So I did have to speak up on that. And um, I actually... I actually feel better. I feel good about doing that because, you know, people needed to understand that this was something that they just shouldn't be doing as a matter of law and just as a matter of good, a good principle. So, uh, but for the most part, it was, um, it was actually a better transition than I thought because there were more people who started to find us and started to connect and say, wow, um, you know, Again, I thought I was the only one who thought this way, you know, like, are you really, are, are you really an atheist or non-believer? Good, because I don't believe either. <laughs> so it was much more of a relief to have um, established these connections and started to build up this community because we knew there were more people out there, but uh, it was a matter of finding them and establishing that network. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I think it can just be so hard for people when their whole belief system and the way they see the world changes. And then after that, after living life one certain way, they can be so lost, they don't know where to go. And I think having somebody like you is really outspoken must be really helpful for that. And so how were you able to use that and channel that into starting the Black Nonbelievers? So yes, um, in doing that, I remember, again, uh, when I first I attended my first meetup, in the Atlanta area, which was predominantly white, which at the time I was thinking, you know, hey, we're one community. Hopefully this, this shouldn't be an issue. Um, but we were having conversations. There was one other uh, black gentleman who, who was there. And when we started talking about the challenges of being black and being an atheist, we were met with some serious opposition as well as some very, socially awkward moments that came along with being one of the very few people of color in that space. And this unintentional idea that somehow we spoke for the entire black community or for the entire black atheist demographic, which we don't. And so um, trying to navigate that part in addition to how we were going to reach out to more black folks um, they're just, you know, it was decided to 
you know, create an organization that helped build that in-person community, not necessarily like a church. And, um, but in, and in my background in hospitality, customer service, as well as um, event, you know, putting on executing events, making sure they go well, it just really parlayed into establishing an organization where we were able to um, build in that support as well as improve on our communication outreach to the overall community. And so um, it, it really took having that skill set knowing how to uh, communicate and talk with folks and connect with other leaders in the community, utilize the community that was already there and to try and bring out more and increase that diversity and, uh, and, and inclusion um, to, to make it more representative of what we know was out there. That again, there are more people of color, there are more black folks who are atheists and people realize, but knowing how to reach them better and build up that, that, that's a community support. And I think along with that too, like not just building the community, but also building awareness, you know, so I'd be interested, how has, has there been any shifts in the general conversations between the atheist community and, you know, um, the Christian community and maybe specifically within the black community, you know, and finding these two different groups within one overall umbrella. Have you noticed any shifts and improvements in the conversation since starting the organization? There actually has been. So there have been, um, there has been some, some interfaith dialogue, if you will. And, uh, and, and people realizing that being an atheist doesn't mean that you're this this evil person, right? You know, where we we simply do not believe in gods, but we do we we do try to subscribe to being good human beings. So we also identify as humanists as well. We take on many of us take on the humanist identity that we are we are good people without this belief in God. We're good without God, um, and also that we live our lives by a set of principles that are informed by education, by verifiable premises. And that we will not just take things based on, you know, based on this idea that you're just supposed to, or that this divine entity is going to um, to save us. What this has, what this has um, improved, uh, within the, um, you know, within the secular community in particular, is awareness of more awareness of racial justice um, aspects and how that does affect all of us how you know how um, institutionalized racism has impacted communities of color and also how um, and how people see communities of color and in ways that many white atheists and humanists have never thought about it changed the trajectory of the conversation and it isn't just about well we don't believe in God anymore it has become about well it, well how do these things impact our everyday lives how do they also impact how we see the LGBTQ community how we see reproductive and human other human rights issues and um, I think there are we've actually been able to connect with more progressive religious communities because just because we see that there are people who believe in God, it doesn't necessarily mean that people. <laughs> so um, we have actually been able to find common ground with whether it, uh, whether it is um, 
religious individuals or, you know, or, um, you know, churches and communities that, you know, we share a lot of these same ideas, you know, about raising our children and wanting a better world for each other. And it is through breaking down that stigma that atheists, you know, that atheists are just, you know, these bad people who just want to do whatever they want to do. We just want to poke fun at religious people. And we, you know, we just want to, you know, want to, um, you know, want to mock and bash, which that does have its place. <laughs> um, because there are a number of religious folks who, you know, who blindly and who, who will ignorantly bash atheists. And so there is, you know, there, there has, there's had to be, you know, we've had to put up our defenses on that, but it definitely has, there has been a shift in awareness that there are people who are non-believers in the community that we deserve to be respected just as much as anyone else. And that um, this assumption that we absolutely must believe in a God um, has, you know, that has shifted. So there has been a bit more of awareness and inclusion in folks who may do, um, you know, there are, you know, for example, there are people who do secular invocations now um, when it comes to the starting of, you know, the beginning of um, any type of, uh, you know, public service. Um, that, that has been happening as well. So the more of us who have, um, you know, spoken up, who have become more publicly involved in, in different, um, you know, in, in different organizations and aspects of, of community work, um, there has definitely been a shift in conversation. There, there's actually a lot of curiosity about atheism, what it is, what it isn't. What is it? How do we live our lives? How do we continue to break down the stigma? And also, how do we work together? Yeah, I feel like too, even beyond like just trying to break down stigmas around religion, also breaking down stigmas around race. You know, I mean, so much of the Christian conversation, I think is really siloed when it comes to how can the Christian community, you know, better tackle racism and issues of discrimination. And I think like to be able to have those discussions where it's not just about in the church, like, cool, that's great. If you don't discriminate within the halls of your church, that's one thing. But it also is an issue that permeates way beyond just what you do on a Sunday. Um, and so I feel like that that's really encouraging to hear that if people are able to have discussions, not just about the difference, but also really, you know, difficult topics around race and also how it specifically relates to the South. Um, I think it's really encouraging. Yes. And also, too, you know, there are some and there's there are some disagreements on this, but. Um, there are, you know, we have to have the conversation as to how, you know, religion has played its role in, in racial politics and racial disparities in particular, as it pertains to the treatment of black folks in this country. (laughs) And, uh, this is something that cannot be ignored anymore. It hasn't actually been ignored for it's actually been the subject of conversations for years in our community but it has been overshadowed by again the overwhelming presence of religious leaders and religion in the church and the communities but now these conversations are moving forward there are even a lot more christians and believers who are understanding that there have religion has played a role in, uh, in, in racial injustice. Um, and so now, and also, um, 
you know, uh, playing a role against, you know, um, the subjugation of women, the subjugation of children. And so now these conversations are starting to move forward and people understanding that this has been a problem for years. And some people have looked the other way, but you can't look the other way anymore. Yeah, I'm really glad to see that discussion is starting to grow that and awareness uh, between communities. And is there any specific points um, and ways that you've seen that discussion grow, especially between these atheist communities and the faith-focused communities? Is there any ways that they've been able to come together really and uh, start having common ground and a discussion around that? Yes. So recently, uh, last year, I participated in a symposium called Disrupt the Narrative, which was uh, put on by the Freedom Forum Institute um, that is based out of Washington, D.C. And it was a discussion regarding religious, the, the concept of religious freedom within the Black community. And so it was myself and other thought leaders and, um, and other practitioners within the Black community, some who were religious and uh, some who were, weren't necessarily traditionally religious. They may have been formally, like fundamentally Christian. They may still have identified, they, they still identify as believers or even Christians, but um, it's more about the education and the improvement of this, you know, of this discussion and, and these um, you know, and, and also these, these, um, these actions within our communities. And there were some who were, um, you know, there were some Muslim practitioners as well, and some who were, um, who are, even though they have these belief systems, they are very supportive of reproductive, the reproductive rights of women, the, the rights of the LGBTQ community, even as, as believers. And so, and, and we were also included in this discussion as non-believers, which was very, very, which, you know, which was very important because I got to connect with someone who identified as a Christian humanist, who, even though in, in their identity as a Christian, they were, um, you know, they were very dissatisfied with how the church has handled human rights within the black community. And so it was, that was important to furthering the discussion because I think had, I was told that had I not been a part of that, they probably would have taken longer to actually speak up about it. And so with that presence of, you know, the non-believer and those who, someone who has let that go altogether who has, or who has never believed in it, um, it actually gave, it provided support, not just for fellow non-believers, but also for those Christians who were uncomfortable expressing that dissent before, but they would not have had support um, in their fellow believers. So that is how these conversations move forward. People start, you know, understanding that there are underlying problems, institutional problems within the communities, but how do we come to a point where we are able to express the, you know, the, the challenges that are faced and how can we move forward without the conversation or without, you know, with, with us, how can we continue to work together without our differences and beliefs being shut down. Yeah, I think that point right there is just so important because we all have such a different way of thinking and seeing the world, especially when our systems of faith are different. And so when we're able to come together and 
talk about and share these different ideas that either side might not think about, we can really keep that discussion moving forward. And I think it's also been important to the narrative to, um, it has been important for us to re-educate or even educate folks on the presence of um, non-believers and humanists historically and currently within the black community because that information is still very much obscured um you know there are i never fail to um you know have people uh that you know to to engage people who are unaware of the fact that the founder of black history month was critical of the church um, he was considered a free thinker, Dr. Carter G. Woodson, and the basis was of history and education and also this, um, you know, dispelling this narrative that the church has just been this absolute good for the Black community in particular, and there have always been people who have questioned that. Um, there have been people who have fought for the rights of, you know, um, of black folks and other marginalized communities and other marginalized demographics who did not profess belief in a God whatsoever, or it was very marginal. And so this is important that, you know, we're not just telling people to believe it simply because there are actual reference points that you can go read for yourself and it is important for people to understand that our community has never been one dimensional. And um, whether you are, you know, a, a, whether you come from the black community or you are a, a non-person of color who just didn't know this information because our, our, our school systems and our points of education may not have necessarily pushed this information to the forefront. And so we encourage people to go beyond what you know what our systems of education and our our systems of our our points of view and our perspectives to understand that there have always been diverse schools of thought out there and it's important for us to know who these people are and and what they stood for what would you uh say you know for people that are in the black community that are maybe struggling with their beliefs you know let's say they're predominantly in a, a christian based family what what advice would you give you know to people struggling with that the first one the first thing i would always say is that you are not alone in this and that it is okay uh it is okay to question your beliefs whether you stay in that belief system or not it is okay to have those questions. And that is one of the first things that, um, that is often one of the first uh, fears that people have, that they're gonna be alone in this, that they're gonna be facing all of these different battles, that there are more people than you realize uh, that are going through the same thing or who have been through it. it you, you can find support in that, there's plenty of it. Um, and it is okay to seek it. It is okay to kind of go against that grain, not even kind of, it is okay to go against the grain and to, even if you feel like you're the only one doing it, uh, there are, again, there are more of us out here. There are more of us who can provide that support and, and information that you may need, um, in, in, uh, in challenging those belief systems, especially if you are, are leaning towards leaving. So there are that the first step is knowing that it is okay to do that and you are not alone in it. Yeah, and I think also we have to really be prepared for your brain and 
being flooded with so many new ideas and seeing the world in really new and different ways. Could you kind of share how atheism changed your view of the world and how you live your life? You know, so my, and I, and I can't speak for all atheists, I'm definitely, but I can, I say, I can say that I think many of uh, atheists would agree on this, that my, my outlook of the world as an atheist is more of a reality base, that there are a lot of good people in this world. Um, there are a lot of folks who are, you know, just there, we're struggling with a lot of the same issues and um, that it is okay to let go any, a lot of dogma. Um, my atheism will not condemn you to a hell that there is no proof of existence. That just because you are someone who identifies as LGBTQ, that there is nothing wrong with that. There is, there is actually evidence in stating, you know, there is actually evidence to show that there is a certain segment of the population that will be, that will be gay or that will, you know, and, and it is okay if you are a person who is struggling with your gender identity, that there is nothing evil about that. There is nothing deviant about it. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you uh, someone who is, um, you know, it, it doesn't make you, it, it doesn't invalidate you. It doesn't invalidate your humanity. And so for that, my atheism has liberated me into understanding that the world is so much bigger than what we've been taught to believe. And that as individuals, we should be expanding our horizons. We should always be expanding our, you know, our, our sense of education and, and how we can learn more. Because the more we know, I on blindly believing. And so it has enhanced my, it has actually made me more, of, more happy because I am not worried about whether you know, I am going to go to a hell that doesn't necessarily exist because I, you know, I, that it, it, it actually encourages me to do better for the world, for my family, because it is the right thing to do. Because we want people, because we want to see this world exist far beyond when we're no longer here. Because we want to create a world for people, because I don't want to see people starving because they have less than others, that it is better for us to, you know, to, to help each other because we want to see all of us thrive because we want to see us, you know, do, you know, we, we want to see more people do better, you know, for, for themselves and for the world, because it just makes better sense for us to be doing, you know, for, for us to be doing good for the world. And because, and because times are changing, there's much more information available we should, you know, we should be availing ourselves to it and also changing with it. It is okay to admit that we didn't know something before. It is okay to admit that we were wrong. There's, there's actually a peace in that. There's peace knowing that we don't have to know everything, that there may be some answers, there may be some questions that will never be answered. And it is okay. <laughs> it is okay for us to not um, it is okay for us to let, especially with me having children and having a family, I don't have to have control over their lives. They are individuals. It is okay for them to grow and develop 
the way that it is okay for me to guide them to be better individuals and for them to make choices that have nothing to do with me. <laughs> and so it is actually, um, like I said, it, it, there's more of a basis in reality that, and sometimes that is hard. It is hard to, to, to understand. It is hard to, 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 you know, to say, hey, you know what? If, if there are changes that need to be made, it is up to me, that it is up to us. We have to actually take responsibility. And sometimes that is actually much more, but that is actually more fulfilling because you actually know you did it. So, and, and you're not going to, and, and if there is someone who is going to try to hold you back, you know, because you have thought or tried, decided to do things differently, you can make the choice to say, um, now some people might call that free will, but um, if, if you can see that there is something that is wrong with either the world or an aspect of the world, that you as an individual can come together with other people and actually change it. You don't have to actually wait for a sign or a divine sign. You can actually see what's going on and actually make the changes that are needed. And that is what my atheism has done for, for me. It has made me a much more well-rounded person. It has made me someone who actually, regardless of what they do or don't believe, you know, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't hinge on them actually believing as I do, but actually doing more for the world simply because it is the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I think... I mean, first off, this has been a very powerful episode. Um, you know, so what what kind of is uh, Black Nonbelievers working on right now, you know, for people who would want to know more um, about you and the organization and to get involved or just have a community to talk to, um, where would they go? Yes. Yeah, so the first place, you can visit our website at blacknonbelievers.org, or if you just do a Google search on Black Nonbelievers, our website comes up. Um, we are... Uh, sustaining uh, in-person communities and social networks for those who have who, who think they're the only ones out there. We host a lot of in-person events um, and, and we're headquartered in Atlanta, but we have affiliate groups in the New York City area and the Portland, Oregon area. We are in DC, Detroit, uh, Orlando, and other, uh, in other cities. Uh, we host a number of national events as well, in particular particular, um, the Women of Color Beyond Belief Conference, which is coming up at the end of September, which is co-facilitated Black Skeptics Los Angeles and the Women's Leadership Project. Um, we, co we, we also facilitate, uh, we, we try to, um, you know, we put together um, events that, that, that highlight and amplify the voice of Black atheists and other, of other, and other people of color. We've contributed to a number of literary works um, that are already out there. For example, the Ebony Exodus Project, written by Candace Gorm, which is a compilation of, of Black atheist women's uh, journeys. Um, and it is about increasing the visibility and, and representation in overall society, uh, especially from the Black atheist so you can definitely you can find us on the web on our website we're on twitter we're on instagram we're on uh, facebook and so you can find us almost on any social media platform well we hope you enjoyed our conversation with mandisha 
If you would like to learn more about What the Faith and follow along, be sure to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast. And you can always find us online at whatthefaith.space or at any social media, which is at whatthefaithspace. Thank you so much for tuning in and see you next week.